Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Ready to triple your creative production speed? Seltra is a software for scaling creative and content in the cloud. In Seltra, brands can create and launch all the variations they need for successful campaigns. More at Seltra.com. That's C-E-L-T-R-A dot com. Hi, you're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, the Adweek podcast where we talk about marketing, media, technology, advertising, and pop culture. Because in the end, everything is an ad. I'm Nicole Ortiz. I'm a senior editor here at Adweek, and I'm co-hosting this week's episode of the podcast because we're doing a Hispanic Heritage Month-themed uh, podcast. And with me, I have a few of our in-house people. Hey, I'm Ian Zelaya. I am Adweek's consumer engagement reporter. Hey, I'm Monica Sorria. Um, I'm Adweek's breaking news reporter. And hi, I'm Julian Gamboa. I'm the social media and marketing manager at Adweek. So today, like I mentioned, we're going to be talking about uh, Latinx and Hispanic Heritage Month, which, for those who don't know, is September 15th to October 15th. Um, So we have a few items that we've covered recently and even last year, actually, um, including some voice pieces from some of our op-ed contributors. And if you tuned into last year's podcast, we did a themed talk with some um, agency folks who talked about marketing to Latino um, consumers. So to start us off, I just want to kind of get everybody's read on, since we're all uh, Latinx identifying people, like what it means to us to see representation in marketing and seeing how brands are changing their focus. Um, So for me, I see this, I I have kind of an interesting, or not really interesting, uh, really to anyone but me, I guess. But uh, my background is that I'm mixed race and I'm half Puerto Rican. I come from a family that grew up in America. So I don't really have a strong connection with my background any longer. Um, But it still is interesting for me to see this kind of representation because I'm a white passing Latina and I can see myself in various um, spots and even in like media that I consume. I just see more of a range of hair colors and skin tones and I find that really awesome and I love seeing representation in that way. Uh, Does anyone else have any thoughts on, on that? Yeah, Nicole, I kind of feel the same. Um, I'm also, uh, I identify as half Honduran on my dad's side, and then my mom is white. Uh, she's from New York. And I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird because I know I don't have an accent at all. Um, and I feel like if I try to, you know, speak with an accent, it just sounds like I am trying. Um, yeah, same. <laughs> but I still, I still like seeing 
myself, at least, um, you know, my skin tone represented in ads, but they have to be not cringy. That's the way I like to see them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, there are like a lot of issues with, I I think there are some ads and if, if anyone has any specific examples, I feel like I've repressed which ads and brands I've seen do the cringy things, but there definitely are things that make me roll my eyes or there'll be like somebody throwing in like a spicy Latino kind of thing. And I'm like, Oh, please don't say things like that. Um, That just make me cringe. Yeah. I mean, that actually makes me think about, um, so for Cinco de Mayo this year, I wrote a roundup of um, how a bunch of brands were doing these virtual experiences to celebrate the holiday. So like, um, Cholula was doing one, Patron was doing one. Um, and I don't know, to me, I know like in the U S, uh, Americans who are not Mexican find this like a holiday to celebrate. Um, but I feel like in Mexico it is, uh, not considered like a party holiday. Um, Mm -hmm. so I just think in general that, ads around Cinco de Mayo are something that you can't avoid and you kind of just have to see and you're like, oh, here we go again, another year of mm-hmm. all these slightly tone-deaf uh, experiences. Some of them are still well done in terms of, like, the way they reach consumers, but just overall in general, it's a little a little cringy. Yeah, I mean, I, I can jump in. Uh, so, uh, hi, everyone. I'm Julian Gamboa. I... I'm Mexican, <laughs> mostly just Mexican. So I actually live, I have, I love this podcast because um, I did grow up in a border town. So half of my life I spent it in the U.S., half of my life I spent it in Mexico. And even at a young age, like I see, I saw the difference in, in the commercials we saw in Mexico and the commercials I saw in the United States. And um, I, I do love seeing myself represented, um, as long as it's not cringy, right, as, as Ian said. Um, but I also love to see more people, now that I'm involved in the industry, I love to see more of the creative director, directors actually be Latino or Mexican or Latinas or Latinx, right? So um, definitely love that. And just one of the, the biggest things for me and I guess for this podcast is like, I grew up with uh, Movistar, which is like a, a a telecompany, a cell phone telecompany in Mexico. But then when I came to the United States, I didn't grow up with Sprint. I grew up with Sprint Latino, which is like, why couldn't it just be the same thing, you know? So there's there's a lot of that going on. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Monica, do you have any thoughts on any of the ads that you've seen uh, recently or even around Cinco de Mayo like Ian brought up? I feel like I don't really have anything specific um, as far as as like brands are concerned, but I will say that on the topic of just like Latino uh, representation um, in media and in marketing, I feel like I like cringe or not. Um, I feel like I'm kind of tired of seeing myself represented. I want other types of Latinos represented. I feel like I see too many. Um, white or light-skinned Latinos in commercials where there's just like, I mean, there's Black Latinos, there's Asian Latinos, Indigenous, and um, I just really want to see more of that. And um, I'm hoping that with the 
just recent pushes for more equity and diversity and inclusion that, um, you know, we'll see that um, broader representation. Yeah, that's a good point, because I, I feel like so much of advertising and marketing is just like gradually easing into diversity efforts, like putting white passing Latinos into an ad versus like, where are the Afro Latinos? Where are Asian Latinos and indigenous Latinos? Like we, we want to see like a full range of representation, not just like the dipping your toe into it type of effort. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, I think on, on Julian's point, um, part of, part of that comes from, um, you know, having more representation or broader representation within leadership roles and uh, obviously creative roles to make sure that we're, um, that there is that diversity. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to actually bring that up also, um, because I think that is one of the big things that we see. um, And I, for those listening that don't know, I used to run our opinion column, and a lot of people who would write about diversity would bring up um, how the industry is doing a better job at trying to be more conscious of having representation, but then you look at the agency producing a spot and every person in it is white, or you see like maybe a handful of people of color and it feels like, well, how are you going to put out this ad for a brand that says like it has a very diversity and uh, focus and forward thinking uh, position, but then you look back and when you shine like a lens back on yourself, it doesn't really mirror what you're saying. And I, I feel like we see that quite a bit. And there's been a, a big push from marketers to try and even that out lately. Yeah, I, I can jump in on that. Um, so I was telling, I was talking to one of my friends about like, obviously Hispanic Heritage Month is coming up. So I was like, there's a lot of uh, cringy ads that are going to come up about what it means to be Mexican, what it means to be like Puerto Rican or any other like ethnicity. Right. And I was like, I'm going to be looking at the credits of these ads. Like I better see some hyphens in the last names. I better see some accents, you know, like that's how I know it's like something. And of course this should not just be specifically for Hispanic Heritage Month. Like we should be seeing these commercials throughout the year and I guess anything that is binded by a month like Black History Month or like any other or like Pride and stuff like that that a lot of people have been calling like pulling up receipts for these brands and it's like oh interesting how you only say this in June interesting how you only say this (laughs) in September right so I love to see this be more of a of a year-round thing it's like I don't want to just think about my heritage on on Hispanic Heritage Month, right? Like it should be celebrated. If a brand truly believes in this, it should be celebrated. Like it should be part of their company values and mission. Yeah, I agree. I I feel like once the month ends, it's not like I stop being Puerto Rican and you know, it's I can just stop thinking about it or something like that. So it it really should be a year-round effort and I feel sometimes maybe this is just me being cynical, but I feel like these months like uh, Latinx Heritage Month and Pride Month and Black History Month are just kind of like cop-outs for people to feel like kind of pat themselves on the back and be like, okay, I did it. I gave the effort during that month, but yeah. where are mm-hmm. you the rest of the year? 
Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that when I'm looking at brand initiatives, like for example, uh, we've got the the Yelp one um, that's allowing for uh, Latinx-owned businesses to um, now mark themselves as Latinx-owned businesses. Um, and even though they introduced that during Hispanic Heritage Month, that's going to be just a, you know, it's it's a feature. It's being implemented. It's going to be. Uh, year round. And I feel like for me, those types of initiatives that have long term goals that that are going to have, you know, long term impact are I just feel like they're more meaningful than just, you know, the September 15 to October 15 campaign. For sure. And uh, Coors Light also is doing uh, an award thing where they're giving 25,000 to a Latinx leader and El Pollo Loco has a grant initiative for small businesses in the LA area. Um, so yeah, like you said, things that will last past just this month are the, for me also as a consumer, I feel like those are the initiatives that I'm like, Oh, I'm behind this versus like, um, something that just lasts for the month of like, Oh, look what we're doing for this month. And then next month we're going to like move on to, I guess what next month is like Halloween and then Thanksgiving. So like they're going to pivot from like Hispanic heritage month to holiday shopping. And that feels a little inauthentic to me. Yeah. I think it it should be a bare minimum at least to have some sort of cause marketing within these campaigns. So like the El Pollo Loco one that you just mentioned, um, you know, I think it's smart for um, people running these, initiatives to actually be giving something good to the community yeah definitely yeah and even though it's like we can say oh well this is obviously like their effort for the hispanic heritage month um i by no means say like stop stop these efforts right like yes Mm -hmm. give more small companies or small business your money big brands like i'm all here for it but definitely should be a a year-long tradition not just when it's convenient or when it's the most flashy yeah, I feel like every last year when we had this conversation um, with some agency folks at um, Alma and uh, Orsi, we they, we were talking about like what does the next step look like for marketing to Hispanic and Latinx um, identifying folks, and and in any of these months also, um, what does the next step look? How do we take this further? And it was kind of like, well, I don't know. Um, one of the big things that was brought up by, um, Marina Filippelli, and she actually wrote a voice piece for us about this, about why, um, like we should start saying Latinx instead of saying, uh, Latino or Hispanic and like make sure to be more intentional and make sure to try and find that gender neutral, um, label and, that was her idea of like, that's a next step for us. And I think that's a really good point. And I think maybe this year's next step is like, stop confining your efforts to just one month and start making them year long and try to find ways to give back and make that effort last longer than just that month. Like you're not, you're not trapped in that box. You can, you can extend this as you want to. 70% of marketers spend more time producing digital advertising content than they like. Don't be one of them. Find out how creative automation can help. Learn how at Celtra.com. That's C-E-L-T-R-A dot com. On the term of Latinx, like moving forward, um, 
I, I think it's it's a good term. Like I don't know if everybody here identifies as Latinx. Um, I know there's been it's it's had some rough patches, you know. Um, some people, like especially older older demographics, don't necessarily identify. And in that article, she did say a good point that it's not a that it's mostly used from by Gen Z. So um, I'm interested in seeing how how brands are going to continue to use that Latinx. Um, term if not a lot of older demographics necessarily associate with that term. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, uh, would that end up being something that isolates older consumers or makes them feel like maybe they're trying to be too progressive and pandering to a younger generation or, or what? But I, I, yeah, I guess it's a, it's a hard argument. Does anyone else have any thoughts on that? Um, I do. Um, I feel like this is, uh, good time to bring up the Spotify campaign mm-hmm. that I just covered. Um, so they launched a campaign basically just declaring uh, Latinx music and podcasts as art. Um, but they're, they're billing it as celebrating Latinx Heritage Month, not Hispanic Heritage Month. And I guess for me, I immediately was like, that's probably because a lot of people who use Spotify are millennials and Gen Z, I'm trying to think if my parents have an account and they don't. (laughs) It's just like, it seemed like the way to go for them. Um, Just So I thought that was interesting off the bat that they were pitching it as Latinx Heritage Month, like in the email that I got from them. Um, And yeah, and then I think that campaign in general, it was simple, but pretty effective. Um, I guess for our listeners, they tapped five... um, artists, visual artists from different sort of uh, ethnicities or intersectionality, however you want to call it. But I think that it goes back to Monica's point earlier about, you know, only seeing um, a certain type of Latinx person represented. Usually they sort of did a good job at um, making the campaign intersectional. So they tapped five of them to uh, create different art pieces that went on billboards in New York, Miami, and L.A., um, and the billboards featured uh, different music artists or podcasters. So they have, like, Ivy Queen, they have Romeo Santos, um, and then they also naturally sort of created a playlist hub on the platform, and so it's curated by different types of uh, music genres and different types of podcasts. Um, So, yeah, and I feel like right now with the pandemic, too, I don't know if they had planned to do, like, in-person elements for this. I feel like it would be natural to do concerts, but um, yeah, I mean, I thought it, it was effective, but. Yeah, the billboards in those three cities, uh, like as I was reading that article um, and it brings, this kind of brings up just, just like a tangential point, but um, I do want to see more marketing to Latinxes, Hispanics, Latinos, however you identify. Um, in cities that are not just <laughs> New York, LA, and Miami. Like, I <laughs> promise that there are Latinos in other cities. Um, and, yeah, I, I just really think that we need to work on representing Latinos also just, like, throughout the United States. Like, there are diaspora communities all over. Yeah, I mean, there's a statistic, I forget the exact number, but, like, most of, like, half of America identifies as Hispanic or Latinx in some way, and um, 
yeah, it's not just, it's not like they're just on the coasts, like you said. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I live in Minneapolis, and I would just really like to see one of those billboards here. <laughs> like, <laughs> there are Latinos here. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I think it's just a good way of, of um, making sure that your marketing is touching all types of Latinos within the diaspora, not just East Coasters versus West Coasters. Yeah. What is um, the marketing like in Minneapolis? Does it feel like you see a, a range of diversity in ads and billboards that you do pass or does it feel um, not very diverse? You know, I definitely feel like Minneapolis does a really good job at uh, marketing to its Somali refugee uh, immigrant community, which is quite large here. And they do a great job with that. But I feel like for Latinos, um, we're kind of just ignored a little bit here, um, even though there are certainly um, some sizable populations of Latinos here. Um, I feel like when people think of Latinos in the Midwest, it's just Chicago. Hmm. Yeah, like another big city to just kind of like hook on to, essentially. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Ian, what you were saying before about how Spotify um, labeled this year, this is the first time that I saw it not called Hispanic Heritage Month. And I was actually... Um, I was happy about that. I thought that, you know, any moves towards, um, like gender neutrality, I think is a good move personally. So I was like, Oh, that's great. And it does make sense. I think that Spotify would do that because like you said, their consumer base is young, does skew younger usually. Um, yeah, for sure. And then what other, like what other ways can marketers and brands like kind of reach these diverse audiences? Like I, I always kind of struggle to think of like what the next step would look like ideally for me, because I think from my position, I am, like I said, I am mixed and I am white passing. So it's not like as I feel like it's not my place always to say like, this is what I want. This is what I'm looking for. So I kind of try to take the back seat in those types of um, discussions. So if does anyone have any other thoughts on that? Well, so on, on seeing more, uh, representation and marketing, you mean? Just like what next steps could look like and how how audience, uh, how, sorry, how brands and marketers can better reach their diverse audiences. Yeah, uh, well, I guess it starts with the hiring process, right? The people that make the work are the people you hire. So definitely um, make an active effort of finding talent elsewhere. Um, not necessarily, as you said, like, not all talent lives in New York, Miami, or... Uh, LA or San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So definitely take take an extra step even if you have to, but try to go to to a new pool. Try to find new people where new new talent is thriving instead of finding it in in San Francisco. Look at Oakland. Instead of look at Salinas, look at Fresno, you know? Like all these other and yes, I'm California based, sorry. But um, <laughs> definitely definitely look into there's a lot of talent in other cities that may not necessarily be like big cities. Um, so I guess taking an active effort and there's a lot of uh, amazing organizations that are that are highlighting talent like uh, We're All Human with uh, Claudia Romo Edelman. She spoke our Latin American Summit and the the talent she finds the the research she she provides that could be a good starting point for 
not just brands to to better their hiring process, but get educated for the long run. And I also think, and this goes for um, like any minority group, but just for a brand sort of, I hate this term, but like general market, quote unquote, campaign. Um, I think once these companies sort of nail down diversifying their staff, both on the agency side and the brand side, um, it could lead to better representation and reach just in the campaign, even if it's not something focused on uh, sort of necessarily catering to uh, the Latinx community. Um, It might involve some sort of, I don't know, representation where you see yourself for something that caters to millennials in general. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Monica, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, well, kind of going off of what um, Julian was talking about, um, I'm just kind of thinking about like the whole concept of a G- of a of a chief diversity officer. Um, and I was recently reading the voice piece from um, Fahad that he wrote for us on why the chief diversity officer should be more like a chief equity officer um, or it should just be like a whole um, team kind of dedicated to um, ensuring that your intern. I feel like if your internal practices um, revolve around equity and making like truly meaningful and systemic changes within your company, agency, firm, what have you, um, to ensure that there's just like better representation across the board, um, that your output, uh, the creative output is going to be reflective of that. Yeah, I think, uh with a lot of those types of positions, I feel, I feel kind of similarly. Cause I think while it's a, I feel torn, I guess, because I think it's a good thing for a lot of brands and it's a necessary thing for a lot of brands to um, put in place a position like that. Just saying like, Hey, look, we're trying to change. Like maybe we realized we made a misstep in the past or something. And here's like the beginning of our effort. Um, and I think some Brands do a good job of like leaning into that and actually taking it to the next place, but some will definitely put someone in place and then kind of forget about it. So to me, I feel like the best solution is to have find a way to integrate it through teams and make sure that diversity is just ingrained team-wide and company-wide versus like giving it just one team or one main position so that you can make sure that people are doing the work, people are thinking about it and you don't end up like making another misstep or, or something like that. Yeah, um, definitely. Because when, to me, what it tells me is that when someone makes, when a company makes someone a, a like chief diversity officer or something, it's like, all right, you handle that. Like, that's not my problem. That's on you. Mm. You know, when, when it should in reality be like a, a, a core value within every part of leadership every every platform every level should have that understanding that diversity is important equity is important and inclusion is important yeah definitely um all right i think that's about our full episodes amount of time um so does anybody have any closing thoughts that they want to end on 
I, I got one. Um, cool. For those that love commercials, because we do so at Adweek. <laughs> um, the, the best uh, representation of Latinx culture I've seen are, uh, well, Mexican, since I'm Mexican. But it's from it came from Netflix. And it was when they were pushing, I believe, the fourth season of Orange is the New Black. So have you all seen that meme of the woman, Itati, she's like screams in Spanish or something like that, mm-hmm. like gasps yeah. in Spanish. So she played a villain in in a really old soap opera or telenovela. And so since Orange is the New Black takes place in a prison, they put the protagonist of Orange is the New Black and she meets Itati. She, she, like, soap opera, like, the backstory is that she's been there in jail for, like, 30 years or whatever. Oh, that's awesome. So, so just see, like, seeing her on, seeing the Netflix team bring her up in a commercial unexpectedly, and when the, when the meme was at its peak, it's like, okay, they get it. Like, they understand their market, and that's one of the best ways that I've seen them integrate some part of the Mexican culture into, like, American advertising, and without it feeling cringy or too try hard. So definitely check it out. It's uh, just search Orange is a New Black, Itati Cantoral, and you'll find it. Yeah, that's like a great, like seamless <laughs> crossover. <laughs> Does anyone else have anything they want to end on? No, I think then we're all set. Um, thank you all so much for joining me today. And thank you all for listening. Our theme music is by Home. This episode was edited by Lane McGivney and produced by Chris Ahrens. Please take a moment to review, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher. 